here's where we've been. Um, chapter 1 talks about when you became a Christian. Paul writes to the, the, the Christians at Ephesus. He says in chapter 1, he talks about when you became a Christian, what happened, all the things that God did. God um, adopted you. He chose you. All the things that Jesus did, he redeemed you, and he made you his own, and he forgave you, and all the things the Holy Spirit did, he sealed you and helps you understand the word of God. He gets to chapter 2, he talks about the idea that you're, you need to understand you're saved by grace through faith. You don't work your way to heaven. Uh, it is a gift of God that you have to accept. He talks about that in chapter 2. Chapter 3, he talks about the idea that because you're a Christian, doesn't mean it's all roses. Difficult things happen in the lives of Christians, and God has a plan and a purpose. And, and God will use that. We're going to kind of tie in a little bit to that this morning. Um, then he comes into chapter 4 and he says, look, one of the things that you need to understand as a Christian is you need to change your thinking. You don't need to think like the world thinks. The Gentiles think a certain way. You need to think differently as a child of God. God saved you to be different. And then we get into chapter 5 and Paul has this theme that he's been talking about, about walking. He talks about walking in love. And what that means. He talks about walking in light. And then this morning, he's going to wrap it up. And, and I like the King James better than the version I'm going to use this morning. But I also like the version I'm going to use this morning because it throws in a different aspect. The King James says, walk circumspectly. Um, and that's an old English word that means carefully. Here's, here's an image to put in your mind. Think of a cat back in first century on some of the walls. And what they would do in the walls of the cities in uh, first century is this. At the top, you know, when you, when you conquered a city, you would climb over top of the walls. And at the top of the walls, they would embed uh, bone, glass, sharp metal. So the idea was, as a conquering army would come over and try to get on top of the wall, they'd just shred themselves, basically. Kind of like the old barbed wire that, that, that you... Imagine a cat walking on that wall. And if you ever watched a cat, you know, I'm not a cat person. Does you hear cat people? God bless you. I'm not one of them. But <clears throat> you can imagine a cat, if you've ever watched a cat, how, 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 they, how it would carefully put its paw down. And it would pick up the next paw. Oh, that's sharp. No, I'm going to put it there. And, and just carefully walk up. That's what we're talking about, walking carefully, walking circumspectly. And so that's what we're going to talk about this morning. And so, um, and then he's going to go into this whole new section next week that we're going to wrestle with, which... Uh, is really misunderstood in Christian circles, and hopefully we're going to make some clarity of it. So here we go. Uh, Ephesians chapter 5, here's what he says. Uh, starting in verse 15. So he says, so be careful. Um, be careful how you live. Don't live like fools. Um, there's a foolish way to go through life, and there's a wise way to go through life. And Paul says, don't live like fools, but as those who are wise. Um, he goes on to say this, make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Um, the King James says redeeming the time. Here's the idea. I, I think it was great that um, uh, Dave started out talking about um, auditors because this is actually a accounting auditing term. And the term here is the idea of making the most of every opportunity. It, it's the idea of redeeming the time. It's the idea of being very precise and being very accurate about what you do with your life. 
Rather than just run through your life foolishly, you need to sit down and you need to think about what you want to do with your life. And you need to think about how God can use your life. You, he says here, he says, don't, don't be foolish about it. Don't just run through it, but be wise. He's talking to Christians here. He says, make the most of every opportunity. Um, it's an interesting word, uh, the idea of opportunity here. Um, some people say that <coughs> the idea of redeeming the time or, or making the most of every opportunity is um, kind of that carpe diem idea, seizing the day, making the most of every moment. That's not what that means. That's a great idea, but that's not what it means. What he means here is, as you go through life, there are specific opportunities that God gives you daily, weekly, monthly, whatever else. Be wise enough that when those opportunities come, you seize them to glorify God. It's not just the idea of making the most of every day, although that's a great concept. What he says here is, God in your life is going to give you opportunities to glorify him. Be wise enough as a Christian, walk carefully enough as a Christian, that when those opportunities come, you make the most of them. He goes on to say this, because making the most of every opportunity in these evil days, and that's an interesting sidelight. As a Christian, here's some of the things that I see happening right now in Christian circles. In Christian circles, we talk about how bad it is. And we focus on all the things that are wrong and all the things that need to be changed. When Paul writes this to the people at Ephesus in the first century, it ain't evil days in their opinion. I mean, they're prosperous. They're secure. They have a great lifestyle. The money is flowing. The jobs are there. I mean, this is a great place to live. And Paul writes and says they're evil days because Paul's looking at it from a Christian perspective. And, 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 and they don't get this. And we in Christianity, we want to talk about all how bad everything is. But when Paul writes about the evil days, he doesn't focus on what's evil in the, in the culture. He focuses on the opportunity that you have in the culture. And I understand, things are messed up. I mean, things are so backwards in our country as far as different things and morality and stuff like that. But rather than bemoan all of the things that are going on, look at the opportunities we have as believers to do it differently, to show. The worse it gets, the easier it is for us to stand out. That's an incredible opportunity for us. That's what Paul's talking about here. And then he says, don't act thoughtlessly. But understand what the Lord wants you to do. So Paul writes to these people and says, look, God has, a, has things that he wants you to do as a believer. And you need to be careful and you need to think carefully about them. And you need to understand them. And you need to take advantage of them. And then notice what he goes on to say. Next passage. Here's what he says. Uh, don't be drunk. And this doesn't seem like it fits, but you're going to see it really does. Don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. Okay, let's, let's, you know, when we ever get to social, you know, people are like, why don't you preach on social stuff? Because I don't preach until we get to it. So we're here and we're getting ready to go into New Year's. Bing, 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 bing. Okay, let me give you a biblical guideline. So without getting into whole, the whole alcohol, da, 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 let me just tell you what I think. Okay, what I believe the Bible teaches. <clears throat> I don't believe the Bible teaches against alcohol per se. 
as a whole. That, that can be debated back and forth. Okay? Alcoholic, non-alcoholic, was Jesus turned the water into wine, was it non-alcoholic, or, you know, all that stuff. Okay? I, I don't believe the Bible deals with that. But here's what the Bible is very explicitly clear. Drunkenness is wrong. You drink to the point that you are impaired, you've crossed the line biblically. That's clear. There's no, there's no ambiguity about that. You're to the point in your life where you can't get through a day or you have to have alcohol, you've crossed the line biblically because you are controlled by something. You're addicted. It's wrong. Those are as clear-cut as it gets. Okay? Now let me talk to you on a little bit of a discernment side of it. If you are in a situation and you drink, and your drinking, even moderately, causes another believer, a younger believer, to stumble or to fall or to drink, you've crossed the line. The Bible's absolutely clear. Now, let me put a big parenthesis around there. There are people who have been saved 30, 40, 50 years. They're mature Christians, and they're going to walk up to you and go, it offends me that you drink. Okay. Boy, i got to try to be nice, and I just have a really hard time with hypocrisy. <laughs> they need to just go jump in a lake. All right? Because, first of all, they have no concept of what they're even talking about. What they're really saying to you is, I don't drink, I'm more spiritual than you, you should be as spiritual as me. And to that person I would say, check your pride. Because you've got a big problem with pride. You're missing a whole boat. When we talk about somebody who's offended, here's what we're talking about. We're talking about somebody who doesn't know whether or not they should drink or not. Or they struggle with drinking. They know that you're a mature Christian. And they don't know enough Bible to be able to say, I don't know if this is right or wrong. But because so-and-so does, it must be okay. And they do it because you have done it. And you have set an example to them. Okay? Then it's wrong. Okay? It's wrong. The Bible is Romans chapter 8, Romans 14, 1 Corinthians 8, 1 Corinthians. I mean, there's all kinds of passages talking about how we offend and hurt a weaker brother. Okay? And that, so, so that's clearly wrong. Okay? Can I suggest something to you as adults? You need to be very careful that you don't send a message to children or to young teenagers or to teenagers that in order... To have fun, we have to have alcohol. I think that's a dangerous precedent for us to set for our kids. And you could argue that in some cases we cause them to stumble. Okay? So I'm just saying those are some clear-cut guidelines. There are people who understand this verse very clearly, that alcohol will ruin your life. And because it has ruined their life, or because they have realized they are on a path to a ruined life, have become incredibly, they have had to put walls around themselves 
to say no alcohol ever. Um, they are in programs like AAA or Celebrate Recovery. To those people, here's what I say. I am your biggest cheerleader. I am in your corner for realizing what it will do to your life and putting up walls so that it doesn't happen again or it doesn't happen for you. I, I, I applaud anybody who is in those kinds of programs because I understand the, the, I understand the value of understanding I have to have a wall because this will wreck my life. And I have never had somebody come to the end of their life and look at me and say, I wish I would have drank more. (laughs) But I have a lot of people who I have had an up-close, personal, front-row seat to what it did to their life. And I'm just here to tell you, be really careful. Okay? Be really careful. Paul here throws this out because he uses an extreme. You've got to understand, in this culture... They would drink themselves, I mean, past silly. Okay? They literally would drink and eat themselves until they couldn't drink and eat no more. They actually had, in, in, in the Roman culture, they actually had vomitoriums, places that you'd go, throw up, so you could go eat and drink more. Now, we're not there yet, um, you know, but, I mean, that's, that's where they were. That's, that was the culture. Paul said, look. Don't do that. It'll ruin your life. But instead, he gives you an alternative. Be filled with the Spirit, with the Holy Spirit. I'm talking about what that means. Here's what you need to understand. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Um, I don't have time to give you a Greek lesson, but in the Greek language, when we have a word, we have endings and stuff on it that tell us a lot to, to, to make the word clearer. This idea of being filled with the Holy Spirit, there's a couple of things. First of all, it's in a passive tense. Here's what that means. That means it's not something you manufacture. It's not like, oh, God, fill me, fill me, fill me. Fill me. Okay, fill me, fill me. I'm filled. It's not that. It's, not, it, it's, pa- it's, it's, it, it, it's passive. It's something that, that, that it, it's not something you create. Okay? Secondly, it's in, it's in a tense that we, that, 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 that's called imperative. And here's the idea. Imperative is command. A stop sign is an imperative. When you come out, believe it or not, when you pull out here, there's a stop sign here. Okay? Now, that's an imperative. You don't get the option. Now, some of you think it's optional, and you will find out if there's a police officer driving by, it's not optional. Okay? Um, it is stop. What he says is, it's not an option. He says, be filled with the Spirit of God. And then he gets in, and he's going to go into this, and there's actually five participles that tell us things that we do in order to be part of being filled with the Spirit and, and, and part of what that is and how all that. To, and I'm going to kind of combine some of them together, but here's one of the things he said. Singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves and making music in the, to the Lord in your hearts. I am so thankful for that phrase, in your heart. <clears throat> because some of us are just not musical people. We try, we appreciate it, we love it, but you know what? Um, you just don't want me singing really loud. You, you know, I, I sing by ear, so here's what that means. If I'm in a choir, put a tenor here, I sing tenor. Put a bass here, bass. Put a baritone behind me, baritone. Put all three around me, who knows what I'm singing. I'd throw everybody off, okay? 
Um, so I just, you know, so, and, and you know, and I've, I can't read music. I think it's, I think it's like little black and white people jumping over fences. That's what it looks like to me. Um, I, I can't read music. So, so, you know, so the music thing. I appreciate music, though. Um, I usually always have music going sometime. Some type of music somewhere playing. Um, Paul says here, look, one, part of being filled with the Spirit is, is surrounding yourself with music or hymns, or psalms, or things like that, like the phrase, that, the one we just sang, in this time. God makes everything beautiful in his time. You know, and I'll find myself thinking about the words in my heart. I don't know that I've ever sang it out loud by myself, but, you know, it, it, it's one of the things that, 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 that helps as we, uh, as we try to work into our lives, the Holy Spirit into our lives. He goes on to say this, um, Giving thanks. Can I suggest to you that as we head into this new year, that might be a great standard for all of us, is to learn to give thanks in everything? I think there's a lot to be said for acknowledging what you have been given. And I think sometimes we take a lot for granted and we gripe about stuff because we don't look at it from a Thanksgiving point of view. But as part of being filled with the Spirit of God, and, and we're going to talk some more about some of the other things next week, but we're going to just camp on these couple of things right here about understanding God's will and what God wants in His Word and, and focusing on, on things that, that, that help us musically and, and, and those kinds of words, and then giving thanks. I, I, there's a story, Matthew Henry's a commentator, fairly common. Some of you may even have one of his commentaries. But uh, one day he was robbed. And he's a godly man, and so he journaled. And at the end of the day, he journaled about being robbed. Now, I want you to think about this for a minute. If somebody held you up at gunpoint and took all your stuff, at the end of the day, or when you went home to tell your spouse about it, what would you say? Here's what he wrote in his journal. Because I think it it shows you the difference of what we're talking about when we talk about somebody who is spirit-filled, or somebody who has allowed the Holy Spirit. He said, that night I thanked God for four things. He said, number one, I thank God that I had never been robbed before. He said, secondly, I thanked God that they took my purse or my wallet, but not my life. He said, third, I thank God that they took all that I had, but it wasn't much. And he said, fourth, I thank God that I was robbed and was not the robber. That's a difference between somebody who has learned to walk, allowing the Holy Spirit to fill their life. And Paul, in kind of dealing with this whole walking thing about walking in love and walking in light and walking carefully says, look, one of the keys to that is learning to allow the Holy Spirit to fill your life and be filled with the Holy Spirit as you go through life. And then he basically is going to head into another section, and we're going to talk about that next week, of of another area that that helps us as far as giving thanks and understanding, allowing God to to work and that kind of thing. So I, I want to end with two things.
and I'm trying to make plenty of time for the last thing because I, th I think it'll, it'll bring it home to you. The first thing is this. As we head into 2019, we need to learn to see the opportunities God puts in front of us. Your struggle, your pain, your difficulty, your heartache are opportunities for God's glory to shine. Like we learned, we're talking about in Sunday school this morning, in weakness, you're able to experience the grace and the power of God. In those difficult things that you're going through, that's where God can really shine, and that's one of the reasons he allows some of those things into your life. And I just want to challenge you as you head into this week to really look at those opportunities that God puts in front of you. The second thing is this. I want to challenge you as you head into the new year to learn to be filled with the Spirit of God in all you do. And to continue to grow as God has, has helped you as you go forward. So I'm going to try to illustrate this. Some of the teenagers at this chapel a couple months ago, and I, I played with it one Wednesday night just to kind of illustrate it. So um, I'm going I'm to pull this up, and hopefully you can... So you gotta you gotta bear with me because I got a bunch of stuff. So here we go. Okay, uh, I'm hoping you can see this. If you didn't, if you can't, you should have moved up. All right. So um, here we go. Um, I want this to represent our lives. Okay. And what happens is, you know, we're all born sinners, and so I want I want the balls to represent sin. All right. I want them to represent the philosophies of the world. I want them to represent the things that the world teaches us. So as we start to grow, we start to become, I love my granddaughter, but we become selfish. And it's all about us. And we become disobedient when people tell us to do things we don't listen. And before we know it, we start to adopt some of the world's philosophies about, you know what, it's really about it's about um, your money. And so you need, to, you need to focus on money. And you need to, and then as you get older, it's like, you know what? Now you need that position or that job. And then as, as you go about, you start to focus on other things. And before you know it, um, you, you start to realize that uh, your spouse isn't perfect. And you are. And so... You start to become critical. And then things start happening in your life that don't exactly go the way that you think they should go. So you start to get mad and angry and bitter. And then before you know it, you start to find yourself thinking, you know what? Truth is kind of overrated. I mean, I can fudge the truth every once in a while. That's okay. I don't have to be honest with everyone. And then you start to get mad at people and you start to think, you know what? Um, they're not treating me right. I mean, I deserve to be treated better than that. So the next thing you know, you're finding yourself demanding your rights and that, that all of a sudden you are entitled to a certain way to live and that you think you should be able to live like that. And then before you know it, you start resenting and becoming envious and, and, uh, of other people and what they have because you think you should have those things. And before you know it, this is the lifestyle and this is, these are the things that you have started to adopt into your life. The Bible term, the thing that you and I know this is, is sin. 
And the whole point of the Christmas story is that Jesus Christ came to forgive our sin, like we talked about, Ephesians chapter 1. God chose us, adopted us, Jesus forgives us, he redeems us, he does all of those things. And if we come to a point in our life where we realize that, we put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, for by grace we're saved through faith. God takes our life, and we're going to let this represent the fact that I'm in Christ, okay? God then takes our life, and he puts us... Uh-oh, don't worry, I'll get him out of there. He, um, he puts us in Christ. And so now what happens is, as God looks at us, okay, he sees us in Christ, so he doesn't see our sin, he sees Christ, and, 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 and we're forgiven, and we're redeemed, we're made new. This is what we know as Christianity, okay? This is being in Christ, okay? This is what happens when you put your faith and trust in Christ. God no more sees your sin in you, God sees you now in Christ, but we're talking this morning about being filled with the Spirit of God. So the reality of it is, if this person dies right now, and, and in Christ, they die and they go to be with Christ. They're in Christ. But being filled with the Spirit is a little bit different. Being filled with the Spirit means that the Holy Spirit now becomes a part of my life. And the Holy Spirit, I allow to start to control and take over in my life. So now, what I want to do is, often in the Bible, <clears throat> the Holy Spirit and the Word of God are linked to the issue of water. Okay? So, here's what I want to do. I want to let these, they're just pictures of water. Okay? I want to let these represent the different Christian influences that we have as a Christian. Okay? So here's what happens now. You've become a Christian. You put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, and you decide that you start. You want to grow. You want to become more like Christ. You want to allow Christ to take over areas of your life. So you come to church like this, and you hear things like, you need to um, make the most of every opportunity to live for God. And you need to redeem the time. And you walk out of here going, you know what, I waste a lot of time. I'm going to try to honor God with my life. So you take what you've heard okay, from the word of God and you apply it to your life. And so there we go. So you've applied the word of God to your life. You have been filled with the spirit of God. You have taken the word of God. You've applied it to your life. Okay? So this week you go and you're listening to Christian radio. And... Uh, there's something that's said there, and that encourages your heart. So you start to do that, and you start to apply that in your life. Now, here's a question. At this point, you notice a lot different. Has a lot really changed? I mean, you notice anything significant at this point? No, it kind of looks the same, doesn't it, other than this little wet. This is what happens to Christians who start to grow and they start to learn and they start to apply. They're part of an instant society and they expect instantly things to happen, but they don't. So they get a little frustrated and they wonder, does this really work? I thought this was supposed to work. I thought this was supposed to make a difference. Is that really making that big a difference in my life? But as you continue to grow and as you continue to apply the word of God, so now you're going to take a challenge and you're going to say you're going to start to read your Bible on your own. 
There's all kinds of tools out there. There's our daily bread, a little daily devotional you can read. You can pick one up, throw it in your car. You can go online and read all kinds of stuff that pop up on your computer every day. You can keep a Bible uh, with you and read. There's a, there's a chart back there in the, on the table out in the lobby that you can decide you're going to read a book of the Bible. And it tells you which book to read and which chapters to read to read to, uh, on a schedule. You can read through your whole Bible in a year if you want. So all of a sudden now you start to do that and you start to take the Word of God and you start to apply it to your life. And before you know it, it's like, well, there's just not that much change in that. I'm just continuing to work and work and work, and, and, and I don't see that much happening. And then, notice, notice what happens as you continue to, uh-oh, there we go. As you continue to apply the Word of God into your life, uh-oh, I got them stuck. Oh, man, I really got them stuck. Ooh, I really wedged them in there. Hang on, it's coming. There we go, Okay. As you continue to apply the Word of God into your life, ooh, these, I messed up really wedge those guys. There we go. As you continue over and over again, ooh, there we go. I put them in too hard. As you continue to apply the Word of, oh man, I really wedged those baby in there. It didn't work like this in chapel. There we go. Now we're talking. Okay, now we're talking. That's what it's supposed to do. As you continue to apply the Word of God into your life, and you become filled with the Spirit of God. Now notice, there's still stuff there. But now when you look at that, what do you see? Why? Because you've taken the Word of God, you have applied it to your life, you've taken what you learn in church, you've applied it to your life, you've taken what you've listened to, you've taken what you've read, you've taken what you've studied, and what happens is now, do you see a difference in your life now? Why? Because you have become filled with the Holy Spirit, to the point that all of this stuff now is different. It doesn't fit anymore. So it gets pushed out of your life. So now these attitudes and this sin and these things that you were used to. Notice you still struggle with stuff. We haven't gotten rid of all the balls yet. But here's what I think is so cool. Watch what happens when all of a sudden now I go to work and my boss treats me unfairly. I don't respond like I used to. Why? I thought the Holy Spirit. This is what we're talking about. So now when those opportunities come up, doctor gives me a diagnosis that I really didn't that I really didn't want. I respond in a different way. Stay. <laughs> yeah, I knew that was coming. You see what happens? You see what happens? And this is why we we talk about growing as a Christian over time as you continue to apply the word. But some of you, you're you're frustrated because you're like, you've got like half full and nothing's happening. That's because you've got to keep at it. And the more that you do this, the more this becomes the norm. And you look at other Christians, you go, man, I wish I could respond like that. That's because they have done this over time. Now watch with this, because this is what also happened. Let's say I stop adding. Let's, stop, let's say I just stop adding to the Word of God into my life. And I have a whole bunch of situations that come up. Again, I'm not adding the Holy Spirit into my life, so now what happens? 
And then I start going, you know, church and God and Christianity and reading my Bible. It's just not that important anymore. Before you know it, it's full. Because you're no longer allowing yourself to be filled with the Holy Spirit. You have to get back to going, all right, I don't know if they'll come out now or not. Yeah, I shoved them way in there, believe me. You get the idea? You see what we're up against? And this is why Paul says, as a Christian, think differently. As a Christian, start to incorporate the Word of God into your life. As a Christian, start being filled with the Spirit of God. Start, start listening to things. Start allowing Christian people and Christian friends to be a part of your life so the next thing you know, they're encouraging you. You have all these resources to allow the Holy Spirit to take over more and more and more of your life. And the more that you do this, the more this becomes the norm. That's what Paul's saying. So now you respond in love. Now you're a light. Now you're walking carefully and wisely. You're making decisions that honor God. You're using the opportunities that you have so that people can see Christ in you. And before you know it, the stuff of the world really doesn't have a place in your life anymore. Because you're filled with the Spirit of God. Does it make sense? This is what he's talking about. And I watch a lot of people that they start the process and they get frustrated and they stop. And I watch other people who come to a point where they've done this, and then they start thinking this isn't important on a regular basis, and the next thing you know, it's full of balls again. This is what God wants from us. So that as the world sees us, they see Christ. That's what, it, that's what we're after. So that as Paul says here, let me drink with wine. I, uh, that, that can ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit of God. Singing, making melody, giving thanks. So now that situation comes up at work. And instead of getting angry and whatever else and, 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 and responding, it doesn't stick because you're grateful. You're thankful that you have a job. Does this make sense? This is what God wants for us. As you head into 2019, I want to challenge you with the idea. Finding ways that God's word and the Holy Spirit can become a bigger part of your life. So that as the ideas and the philosophies and the sin of the world tries to get into your life, tries to take a part of your life, there's no room. They don't fit. That's the challenge. So that as the world sees us, they see Christ. Be filled with the Spirit of God. It's not an option. If you want to walk like God wants you to walk, this is what you do. Right? And that's our challenge as we head into the new year. So find ways for the Word of God 
find ways for the teaching of the Holy Spirit, find ways for God to permeate and take over those areas of your life. So I end this morning with it. Paul concludes the concept of walking in love and light by challenging us to walk carefully. He reminds us that we are surrounded by opportunities every single day. We must make the most of them by walking daily by God's Spirit. God should control our life and our direction and our paths according to his plan and his will for our lives. Let's let the world see Christ in us this year. Let's pray. Lord, help us. Or it's so easy sometimes in our quick society to not see things happen immediately and want to get frustrated and sidelined and and think, Lord, that we'll, we'll, we'll never get there, we'll never be where we want to be. But, Lord, it, it's a continual journey, it's a continual process. May we not get discouraged in the process. But, Lord, as we head into this new year, may we look at areas in our lives that we can allow you to control, that we can start to allow you to push out some of the things that, Lord, are not helpful, they're not ways that honor you, they're not things, Lord, that are beneficial to our physical mental health, our spiritual growth, our social growth, our, our emotional growth. And Lord, that we might really work in those areas so that we can be a light and show the love of Christ to a world that desperately needs it. May people see Christ in us this year. And we honor you with all we do. These things we ask in your name. Amen. Um, let's stand together and we're going to sing. Turn your